1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Come
2: on!
0: MK on the ground in South Florida. I've been, I don't know if people notice we're getting a little bit of dad shape lately, but I want to take it to the next level. I want to get strong.
2: Daru, strong. I'm with the dogs, we a leash. a ball and talking is cheap. Can ten what I got from the streets. more extension. More extension, yeah. Well, it's instability too. Yeah. Alright, what's going on guys? My name is Phil DeRue. We are here about to shoot room service diaries, and I'm gonna go ahead and send Brian and Luke through a real strong training session. I know Brian is a funny guy, so we're gonna go ahead and see how funny he's gonna be when he pushes his prowler. Maybe he will throw up, maybe he won't. We'll see what happens. Now, Luke, on the other hand, I know he can push some weight, so I'm gonna go ahead and see how well he does in my territory.
1: How we doing?
2: Sorry. I'm oh, so really, sorry. So good. You those, those me. Me. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry I
1: everything. No, 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 that's no,
0: Are no. you guys into ass tats too? He also said,
2: Listen, no, but
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I knew, I knew I liked Listen, this guy.
2: I'm
0: gonna show you. Sorry. Oh no. Oh, wow. I've never had somebody show me their dad's ass before. This this excitedly. Holy shit! Holy shit. Like, well that's
2: like the one on like the back of your head. Precisely, yeah, yeah. like like Mandala style. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, we don't always talk to trainers on this show, but when they're as esteemed and good and as well, let's say accomplished as our next guest. How about Badass too? We decide to do it all the way from Deerfield Beach, Florida. It is the trainer to the stars. It's Phil DeRue. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me. Well, well, first of all, I have to do this on camera. I have to apologize to Phil. (laughs) We were supposed to shoot this two hours ago. I went to the wrong airport. I am so sorry, Phil.
2: I did this to everyone. It's my fault, bro. Well, this I'm is what sorry. happens when you go to Florida, man. Things start to get crazy. I don't think see. I'm the only person to do this, though. Oh, I feel man. like it's happened before to it's other people. It definitely happened. And, and what I'm seeing is an influx of people just migrating over to Florida. So then you have the traffic on top of that. So you're all good. You're my man, so I'm, I'm no problem. In, in honor of
0: Phil, I tried to dress like random Florida man today for this. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I, I think I pulled it off well. You know? Phil, I,
2: I think a lot of people don't necessarily know.
1: Some people know who you are. Some people don't. Let's let's set the table for folks who don't. You are a trainer to a lot of MMA stars, Dustin Poirier. You've had a lot of guys in your stable before, Orlovsky, many other ones.
2: You want a champion. You want a champion. What would you say that, uh, describe yourself to the folks. How do you view yourself and what you do? A performance coach, you know, primarily. I'm a teacher. I work with several now at this point 5,000 coaches that I mentor around the world So that's really where I go now is more so coaching coaches But I still have my staple of fighters that I work with I've been doing that for 14 years now I've been training and competing in martial arts for roughly eight or nine years I was a pro at one point uh, with Dean Thomas. So uh, he started me out old school. Yeah. Yeah Uh, I was 19 20 years old after I got out of college playing football and um
0: he played at a historically black college yeah we were wondering bc wants to know are you black <laughs> mike perry was his he's roommate just,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny funny you said that but uh but uh, so mike actually was a part of dean's actually affiliate school so we used to cross train a lot so mike i know mike for a time perry, yeah. yeah he's a good dude um but yeah but so you played at
0: alabama state you were alabama a state, defensive back right
2: defensive back Played strong safety and then you know when i was in high school played you know middle linebacker okay I, so you were the hitter yeah that's, i mean that was primarily why i stopped fighting because of the fact that the concussions just built up on me all right so let's let's rewind the tape where'd you grow up here deerfield beach florida Broward county primarily up and down fort lauderdale area but i decided to put the gym here because i wanted to give back to the community this is something that i've always wanted to do at some point and the brand built enough to where now i can fully do that and i have my other gym i live about an hour and a half away so i have that gym up there but I wanted to make this spot special for the kids in the community, give them somewhere that they can go that is positive, because let's face it, we don't live in the greatest area, right? So what I want to do is get back, give them an opportunity to be around positive individuals. Not only do we have fighters in here, professional athletes, but we have celebrities too as well. You know, we have great human beings just in general. So I wanted to give them a spot to where they could come to, to have that.
1: All right, so let's get back to Dean if we can. How did you win him over? Did you win him over? Like, the journey through MMA, because it wasn't a long journey in MMA. You've been in the MMA sport uh, in various roles. But as a fighter, it wasn't a super long one.
2: No, no, eight years primarily. Like, it seemed longer because I was in it. You know, I was in it for two, three days, or two, three times a day for six, seven days a week. And so with Dean, I think it was more so he wanted to make sure that I was really, truly into it. You know, because he started when it wasn't, like, the cool thing to do, right? He, he was, you know, finding wrestlers in high school. He was cutting their hair and, you know, bartering with them to, to teach them how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the, those times. But now it's like everybody wanted to fight at that point. You know, the Ultimate Fighter came out. So he was really with all of us. We had five guys, five professionals, amateur tooth professional, um, that he brought up with him. And so we, would always, we were always looking to... You know showcase ourselves and make sure that we won him over per se uh, he was one of those hard asses that like you know it was going to be a hard way to to get him to like really follow what we were doing you know and i remember my first amateur fight i won and i called him he wasn't even there this was in uh cut off louisiana it was like population a thousand maybe right, I right. and i won the fight and i called him and i'm like super excited and i go Dean man i won did great he's like cool when you coming back to the gym <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he didn't even say like, good. Job. I don't think he said cool. I said, when are you coming back to the gym, I think that's the only thing he said. And I go, Monday, I guess, man, like I hung up and that was it. And that was, that's Dean, you know. I think now he's stated this uh, recently that he's seen my progression. He's seen the growth uh, from when I was a young kid coming to him, you know, rough around the edges to now. So, and I remember the day that I talked to him after I, ret- I actually retired based on what he told me because I would have kept trying to go for it.
0: Did he give you like a Robin DeShob, Rogan DeShobb type speech to think, talk you off?
2: I think so. I think so. It was primarily like, listen, if this was your your knee or your elbow or your arm or something like you, you could work around it. But it's your, it's your brain. You can't really work around that. So, you know, after he told me that, that's when I decided to just call it quits in a sense and pivot, you know. But two years later, a year and a half later, I wanted to get back into the sport heavily. And so he was down at ATT and... I know he was coaching full-time now we had left he left the gym that i started with and there was really no other mma gym per se like that so when he went down i was like all right well i want to get back in the sport but i just don't know i want i want to you know try to get there what can i do or if you have any openings for somebody that you're working with because i know he's still working with tyron i knew that he was down there so like maybe there's something there and he's like you know what, you may be in luck come down bring your resume you know see what you can do and so the first day I trained King Mola wall teacher Torres Dustin and Diah Davis <laughs> and that was the first day so I was like okay throw me to the, to the wolves I guess but at that time I had already developed a, a great coaching skill at that point I've already built my gym up um, we were at that 11,000 square feet you know I've had like 300 members and I was like you know what let's uh let's see what I can do because I wanted to still work with fighters I still wanted to work with those competitors and I wanted to be a part of it now. I still wanted to be there at some capacity.
0: I got question, though. What type of fighter was Phil DeRue?
2: I was an athlete, you know, primarily. I I mean at the time. Because you had you had high school wrestling experience. Yeah, yeah, I wrestled. I think I think more so I was I was I was great at I was more enticed with the stand-up game primarily. I wanted to stand up and fight and all that. But I would just take it to where I knew that my opponent didn't have. You know, that was the main thing. It was like I was looking to game plan. And so that's when I found out that I would be a better coach than an actual fighter. Sure. Because the game plan, the strategy, the tactics, you know, really resonated with me. Did you have a shitty nickname? Please tell me. It y'all. was Bam Bam. Oh, Bam Bam Bam.
0: That's Bam. not bad. That's pretty good, that's actually. all right. I mean, that, I was, that's
1: very specific, though. you got to look the part.
2: And that and that primarily was from me as a younger kid, because I was just hitting everything when I was a kid. So I was like, oh, I, that was the nickname y'all gave me? Okay, I'll just <laughs> take that then, you know. Yeah. But it went through several different phases, you know.
1: When did it dawn on you where you were like... I'm actually a pretty good coach. Like I could do yeah. something with this, you know?
2: I knew I was a good trainer. I knew I was a good motivator uh, when I was a kid because I started really training people, my friends, at like 16. You know, I would bring guys over to the to the to the gym or I would bring them to my I had this um I had this makeshift bench that was like wobbly, but I would put together programs and I was reading Louis stuff and I was reading Joe DeFranco and so I already knew how to like properly program and periodize at a young age. When I started to realize that I could coach at a high level was when I got to top team, because I knew that the methods and the systems and the protocols that I was using was actually working at a high level. And then I could relay and communicate properly to these people that take it to the next level on that way. Then I was like, OK, I got something here.
3: Hmm.
0: All right. Well, on the excuse me, on the split between what you actually do, obviously, so much of it is scientific and, and involves the, the body and the nutrition and all that combining together. But how important is the psychological side in the success you've had? Do you think that that has allowed you to kind of start to separate your name from the others in this game?
2: It's very big in the fight game. It's very big in, in just sport in general. You know, that was something that I needed to learn more of. I needed to learn how to properly communicate and understand personality traits and go to a point where I can test them and actually assess, you know, who they are as an individual. So then I can go ahead and relay over information that is going to get us the adaptation necessary.
0: But you, sometimes you gotta, you got to get in that ass, so to speak.
2: Absolutely. Here's the thing. It's funny. Some, some guys don't like that, right? So some yeah, Not
0: everyone responds
1: to that hard some ass Some guys might.
2: don't like that. And I thought that going into that situation, because at this point, I was training high school kids and some, some general pop clients, and I had some college football players that liked that style, right? King Mola Wall liked that style. Dustin Poirier did not like that style, right? (laughs) So, like, I remember, I guess he told Daya, he's like, man, why this guy's young enough? And I was like, oh, this doesn't work for him, you know? At certain times, you know, especially when you develop a trust and a bond with that individual, yeah, you can do that. But you have to find pain points. You have to peel back the layers on their actual why. And then then you can relay over certain things and say certain things to get them to be motivated. Because, listen, at the end of the day, elite fighters at the UFC level, they are already self-motivated. It's just getting that one or two things out of them to really figure out, okay, I need to push it a little bit more because in a controlled environment with prowlers and squat racks and things like that, they're not used to that in, in, a, in all essence. Like most of the fighters very new to the weight room. So pushing them in this world is a little bit different. Whereas that they know if they don't push it in sparring or they don't push it in their drills, they may not make it out of the cage alive, right? So it's really different in that, in that perspective. So I have to give them a reframing. I have to make them understand that what we do in here will have some transfer over to what they do over there. And when that happens, then you get buy-in.
1: When did you go independent?
2: I went independent, Well, Well, I was was always independent. Okay, okay, Um,
1: but like, you know, fully independent, I guess.
2: So I started at 22, right? Opened up my own gym, 22 years old. And then when I went to top team, that was the first time I ever actually got a paycheck. I've I never really gotten a pay job, so I was I was working on the team, and I was there for four and a half years, um, building up, you know, my base, and then understanding, you know, how to actually train these types of people um, at that level, and then when I it was around, actually in COVID, I left at two, 2020.
1: 2020, that's right. And then you do, and you've had this facility how long?
2: I had this. I actually moved in here maybe four or five months ago.
1: Oh, okay, so this is all relatively new. This good. is
2: new, yeah. And I had a gym um, in Boca Raton with uh, with Movon for a little bit. And that was really my, my way out. Like I got out of top team and went over there primarily and just started working and building up, you know, more of a base of like overall clients. So now I have boxers, judokas, everybody
0: so, so move on was the 95 al mvp wanted to remind you of that yeah thanks i don't watch baseball but i do know who
1: move on you is. were
0: big into like mathlete stuff yeah,
1: right? yeah i was a mathlete that's true uh, all right so let's talk about dustin poirier how did you end up like it seems like of all the relationships you have and maybe I don't, I don't know this but it just seems from afar anyway that that is one of your closer ones for sure is that a fair characterization and if so how to get here
2: uh well so i think that Similar personalities.
1: Similar backgrounds in similar a way, backgrounds.
2: Too, man. Similar backgrounds. I fought a lot in Louisiana, actually, too, as well. I fought some of his teammates. Um, I remember, you know, he was in, I think he was in the crowd at one point in my pro debut hmm. against Kurt Holibaugh. Who
1: fought in Bellator or Force, I believe?
2: Fought in Force I mean, and the UFC. He
1: possibly? No, no, he definitely fought in Force.
2: He fought in the UFC twice. Uh, twice, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, his big name, or in that, in Louisiana, his yeah. big name. We were the main event, too, as well, my, my pro debut. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And I made $200, by the way. Hey! <laughs> yeah. At least you made I, it, I, shit! I, I made that and spent that yeah. shit. the no, <laughs> way back. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, with that, it was... It was that kind of chemistry you know um i was there the first time i went there as a coach i used to train I used to cross train as a as a fighter but the first time i went there as a coach we sat and we talked for at least an hour and a half and i remember him just being so welcoming and just the person who he is you know you know he's a he's a stand-up guy so i, I like American that about
0: and i say that very sparingly about fighters. Randy Couture, American hero, okay? Sure. Dustin po- Poirier, American hero. For sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and he likes to say I'm a student of the game, but he's a student of the game too, as well. Like he loves boxing, he loves Jiu Jitsu, he loves it all. And I think that that was something also that we bonded with. Like I wanted to be the best at what I did for him and he wanted to be the best at what he did for his family. So that's, that's where we grew. And then I remember, you know, uh, for the first year, he's a person that keeps a circle close, right? So I had to get into the circle before that happened. And we didn't start working together for another year and a half until he decided, you know, he's not a big strength and conditioning guy. You know, he's not, he's not somebody, somebody that would just go into the gym. Now he does, cause he likes to look the part, you know, he wants to build a little bit of muscle. He's getting bigger now too, as well. But when I met him, he was still like at that 45, 155 range, you know, and uh, he just started to grow, you know, and, and that's just maturity overall. And that's where like, I really started to grow with him because I started to understand him, who he was as a person of you know, the first conversation we had was was uh really about uh road work and how he loved to run but you knew before that he had a, a bad hip issue right so he had a hip impingement he had a constant problems yep very bad and like at that point he was not saying anything so I was like you'd run seven miles but it you'd be in excruciating pain afterward and I said why are we doing this I was like you can do other things to increase your aerobic capacity and he was like no I just like to do it and I go well can we level, like, can we figure something else out? He's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know, it's just him. It's
1: like working with Brian, really, if I could tell you. <laughs> He's like,
2: I'm not gonna do it. I, I mean, and I was like, okay, so do me this favor. When you run, run on a softer surface. Or when you do run, just manage your volume, you know, per se. And so we leveled with that, he was cool with that.
0: All right, the success—not necessarily because of you, but you played a big part in the larger Poirier team. You come to Dustin, I believe I was talking to you off-camera right after the loss to Michael Johnson, which kick-started a run for him. He's among the most battle-tested when when you're talking about will, chin, durability. But you play a part in building that up. So, you know, what is that strategy and focus? Because you get a guy like that, he has to have the want and will, and he does. But he's built for 25 minutes of hell. Also,
1: we should say, like, just for the record, for folks who may not remember that fight or haven't seen it, I would argue that's one of Dustin's worst losses. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, relative to his ability, that was a major underperformance. Definitely. You definitely. Know? And then he, since then he's kicked it into High Gear, obviously. He he
2: he definitely should have won that fight. And if that ever got ran back, it it would be different.
1: Oh, I pick him to win. I thought he was gonna win that fight to be honest.
2: Absolutely, you. absolutely. I, I think he's just grown, um I mean you've seen it from the first even from the first Connor uh, counter fight to the second counter fight, like his mindset is totally different. And he doesn't allow outside distractions to come into his psyche and allow it, you know, to allow it to negatively affect his performance. You know, so with that Overall, I just wanted him to feel comfortable. And I wanted him to feel comfortable in the fact that he was going to get better no matter what we did in here because it was new to him. So he was going to get an adaptation no matter what. Right. I wanted to focus on things that he wasn't doing inside of the skills training. Why do fighters hate strength and conditioning? I think most of it is difficult. And then also, for the most part, they don't see the correlation. Right. They see it as another stressor, as you know, more to be tired from and they have so many things that they have to do. I understand that because, again, I fought, and I, I know, you know the day-to-day process. But when you come in and it's directly correlated to whatever their game plan is or whatever their structured uh, dispositions are, right? Whether you know, they have some insufficiency, some, you know, co- some coordination issues, whatever the case. If I can get that better and they see that generate more positive adaptation inside the skills training, then they're more apt to actually coming in and doing the work.
1: But that takes like several
2: camps. It hey, does. You gotta build that trust. It, it takes
1: time. To- I mean, that, that's an investment, like quite literally, like you have to put a dollar in the account like kinda every day. I,
2: I mean, it really didn't, in the case of Dustin, it didn't start until the second camp yeah. where then we started to implement certain things like cognitive conditioning and mobility work. And then he's like, I just wanna blow out my lungs today. And then we started to do, you know, things like that for him because he, he, he started to trust the process. And that's the same with every fighter, primarily. I had Kevin Lee in here. Kevin Lee's never done any strength and conditioning that was structured the first day I, I worked with
1: I saw the video.
2: Right. He was walking on his
1: heels and doing, like, warm-ups from, like, the littlest part of the muscle all the way to the big one. Yeah, we well, he had it?
2: just Future
0: champion, Kevin Lee.
1: Jose, we, we, like, we have been... You should know this about Kevin Lee and I, or mm-hmm. us. We're, we, we were and have been big believers in Kevin Lee. Truthers, if you will. Truthers. We get accused of being truthers because he has fallen on hard times, although he has returned to the UFC, and so we'll see what happens there. He's got new management, and I know he converted to
0: Islam and stuff, so it seems like his life is in order. And but he may have uh, been a staff infection away from being the interim champion. He's always been
1: yoked. Like, these dudes, you know what it is? It's the dudes who are naturally athletic naturally strong naturally fucking like that they don't think twice about it whereas doofuses like us <laughs> yeah. we every rep matters you know what i
2: mean true yeah that, that's true and i think that you know he took advantage of that in, in some capacity but what i wanted to do was i wanted to show him that there was there was some dysfunction there he tore his acl oh, yeah again for the, the second same time. one or a different one he tore both of them and then tore this one again wow against uh, diego in in, in eagle day. Right. And I saw the video and I could see him and he, he kind of like yeah. jolted and he lost his foot. He footing. couldn't move. Yeah. No. So then he came to me and he didn't even know who I was, which was great. I was happy with it. He knew like he knew of me, but he didn't he didn't follow me or anything like that. So when he came into the gym, I was just and he was going to Sanford. So it was right across the street at that at that time. And um, I go, listen, we're going to develop more structure. We got to get stronger in the surrounding areas. We need to build strength. Of the muscles that cross that joint, and you know I tore my ACL, so yes. I know I battled. Back. I remember
1: your rehab, right? You documented every every uh, stage of that.
2: I wanted to, so I could showcase. Okay, this can be this can be dealt with. We can definitely come back from it, and uh, so I, I did it with him. And then he started. He was like, "Man, I've never done anything like this," and that's good because now we get a positive adaptation. Sure. So every day would come back and come back, and he would come. You know, he'd come three days, four days a week, and he's never done any strength conditioning before this. I'm not going to say he's done no strength conditioning. He just hasn't had it structured, right? So, yeah, he's been one guy. And then another guy that's fighting this weekend, Chase Sherman, who's been here consistently putting in the work. But he's a guy that's very intuitive. Like, he loves to know what's going on. And that's where you find out who that person is. Like, personality-wise, he's acetylcholine dominant. He's, like, very conscientious of what he wants to do and how he wants to do it and why he's doing it. And you have those types of individuals. Then you have those very A-type dominant people that are just, like, I don't care, just tell me what I gotta do and I'm just gonna go do it.
0: Then where does Yoana champion fall into in that mix, you know? Cause we, we're allowed to have our favorite fighters. Luke won't stop talking about city kickboxers all, I do like city kickboxers, right? Tell me about the dog that's inside Joanna.
2: Jay is like, is a different, is a different animal. Like I first trained her on a Sunday afternoon. It was the first time that she started at top team. And she called me up and she was like, coach, I wanna, I wanna train, can you do Sunday? I'm like, absolutely. She's like one of my favorite <laughs> fighters. But I was like, absolutely. When she walked in the gym, I'm like, I gotta train you. Cause I knew she had that dog in her, like I saw it. And uh, the first time I, I had to run the prowler, you know, it was like an initiation phase. Can you describe
1: the, the, what this the, pr- the prowler is? The prowler is the
2: sled, right? Yeah, it's a sled, it's a push sled, you know. Um, it even has a warning on there that you could catch prowler flu, which basically means you might throw up, you know, uncontrollably and uh and so i was like all right let's do that you know primarily it was more so just for muscular endurance work and everything else to break it down but for the most part i want to see where she was at mentally you know and mentally in that in that way where she couldn't take advantage she couldn't control the tempo she couldn't you know she couldn't pace herself and that's another reason why they don't like it because i control the tempo i control the pace right so now it's gonna hurt no matter what and they're not really that great at that in a lot of ways and nobody really is right everybody wants to to kind of to get through it, you know? And um, maybe sometimes it's not about getting through it. Maybe it's sometimes it is about just testing yourself. Sure. Right? Creating that mental fortitude.
1: So you, you talk about like personality in when people show up and what they say and what they prefer. But like I've detected your personality from afar. I mean, I've, I've known you for some time, but even then I could tell that they were a little bit different. So let me give you an example. Like, um, your methods are what I would call a mix between old school wisdom and new school, uh, like I don't know, progressive ideas. It's this interesting mix between them. And I think you get that way because you're constantly um, investing in yourself, investing in your knowledge, investing in your, like what do I need to know? So when you were coaching, when did you realize, okay, here's what I know is true, and also, shit, I need to know more. And what did you do to solve that problem?
2: I would reach out to as many people that I respected as possible. I would look for mentors. You know, I would reach out to Louis. I would reach out to Joe DeFranco. I would reach out to anybody that I knew that was doing it on a high level. And then I would also heavy into the books, be all into you know, super training, you know, uh, science of practice and strength training. Those were like my Bibles in a sense, right? My, my fitness and strength conditioning Bibles. And so i would always do that and then i have a long drive remember that so i used that drive i took it you know took advantage of that drive so i'd call it like it's 95 i-95 95 95 university you know (laughs) so it was and it was four years of that two three hours Shit adds up adds up they don't use turn signals at that college at all <laughs> <laughs> not over there no, no 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 we're running past things yeah yeah that's definitely so yeah i would just i would just spend time listening to podcasts audiobooks everything that i knew i needed to learn i that saw you
1: at seminars game. a bunch too right
2: yeah yeah no as, as far as me going to it yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah like seminars workshops anything i could get my hands on um and going there was was really good because i could network too as well so, you know, FRC and, you know, even with the CPPS and everything else and CFSC with, with uh, Mike Boyle stuff. And I would find similarities, but I would also find differences. And I would pick the things that I knew that were going to work for me and my circumstances and just rode with it.
1: You know, it's weird though. I bring us all up to say, like, you came up at a time when like strength and conditioning, we talk about MMA being in the dark ages in 05 and 06, but dude, strength and conditioning was even fucking worse. I'll never forget, dude, this is a true story. This is why I ask you about it. I remember I one time went to go interview Brandon Vera. This is before he went to Alliance. He was with Lloyd Irvin at the time in Camp Springs, Maryland, just outside DC. So I was like, bet, let's go over there. And I show up and he was very friendly. It was He was doing like two or three days. So this was the evening session. This was right before the fight with Tim Sylvia. And uh, I remember they were like, oh, you should have seen the strength conditioning class this morning. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what was it like? They had video of it. It was just Brandon Vera barfing in between, like, they'd be like exhaustion barfing. And they'd be like, okay, 25 more laps. I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Right? We have come a long way from that, it feels like. And it feels like on the MMA side, for me, you were one of the first ones who was, like, trying to be scientific with
0: it well he's still got the sled flu so he's got okay okay there's
1: always going to be a place for that in when you push yourself to the limit but but they would seek that out right Rabdo the clown and crossfit all that shit well here's the
2: thing And, and let me let me just say this like i would never really do that unless it was for a specific reason, whether that be- Fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, or that. Yeah, right? Or like I wanted to see, or I would test them. It's an assessment process. So how much sprint work can we do in an extended amount of time? How much can we recover from within a certain amount of time? Because now I can use field-based activities as, as opposed to going to you know, a UFCPI PI, and they, they, weren't, they weren't even around at that time. Or like another lab testing where VO2 max and lactate threshold, I can give this go and actually have that as a baseline assessment and then re reassess them afterwards so i would push them right into the edge and then i pull them back right and then i remember this was when i was fighting too It's like five by five minute rounds circuit training do it one minute each and go until you die and that was like the main thing and everybody did it you know and so i decided okay what are they not getting that what are they not getting outside of the actual skills training. They're not getting maximal power output. They're not increasing their explosive power as a whole because they're not giving the adequate amount of rest periods. And they're also not doing low intensity cardio. They may be doing road work, but they're pushing into lactic zones because they're competitive and they wanna push themselves mentally. So then I'm like, all right, we gotta go from a high-low approach. So I gotta, give, I gotta ramp up their alactic system and I gotta ramp up their aerobic system. And that way, I can give these two systems here and bring them together when they do their skills training, which is primarily somewhere in that lactic zone.
1: He's an artist. Yeah, yeah you, can, you, you can. This that. is what I'm saying. Like I've seen the development of all this. When did we cross paths? When did I hit you up? Because uh, I remember I did a story on you for MMA fighting.
2: I think that was it. I think that was it. And then I seen you in Dallas. Yes. And then that's when we talked. Yes. And um, that was when Dustin got the eye poke from from yeah
1: that was uh that was was 211 right yeah that's right it was stipe was on that car joanna was on on that Mm car that's right that was my first that was my
2: first that was my first uh ufc event that i went to actually is
1: that right well the reason why i bring that up is because i did a story on on phil for mma fighting because i was looking up coaches who were trying to do different things and uh you were the uh, this is true i'm not saying you were the first guy to do this but you were the first guy that I saw making guys do zercher squats for takedown defense?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then I, saw, I looked him up and I'm like, I had seen he had done bodybuilding, he had fought MMA, he'd been a football player at a collegiate level, and- uh, Powerlifting. Powerlifting, and I had seen you powerlifting. I was like, so this dude probably knows a shit ton. Yeah. And sure enough, the journey just kept going from there.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and then like, I've, I've always figured out what was the weakest issue because I had so many to work with you know so like you had like 60 plus fighters at the high level coming to you on a weekly basis so then i knew what i needed to do and then when i saw the i saw like um there was a general issue that was going on where i was like their mobility sucks or their lack of coordination in certain movements are not good because they're so specific so like even running was an issue like watching their gait was a problem And a lot of jujitsu guys that come from that jujitsu background, like tight hips, you know, tight upper back, you know, so, or tight low back and and kyphotic posture. And that, that'll affect your movement, right? So I wanted them to be better movers because I knew if they were better movers, they could correlate that over in a skills
1: perspective. Dude, I I remember distinctly, distinctly, what year was this? 2010, something like that. Mm -hmm. Marcelo Garcia doing an interview being like, yeah, someone's like, what do you do for strength and conditioning? He goes, more jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, well, if it works for Marcelo, that must be great. And now I'm like, okay, maybe it did work for, I mean, Marcelo had a great career, but like, it's fucking insane that people kind of think that shit. It's crazy.
2: I, I mean, I had a conversation with Andre Durrell, and it was actually one of the most viral videos I have.
1: I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about the value of like, why weightlifting for punching? Or sorry, for a it boxer. Was just boxing.
2: boxing in general. We his
0: comeback
1: win. We did, we did call, call us come, we, yeah. we called his comeback win. Yeah, yes. that was
2: amazing, man. I was He I looked was fucking super, dope. I was so excited for him, man. He's a guy that really put in the work and then like, is, is a student. He wanted to learn what was going on. And he's
1: grateful to be here too.
2: Like oh, He absolutely. hasn't lost that
1: super like, grateful like this is another great opportunity yeah he you know,
2: called you, me like he was a like a fan i was like bro i'm a fan like what are we doing like so I, I was more so just just happy to help him in that in that in that way so i wanted to make sure that he had he had all the tools necessary so when he asked me that yeah this is broward bro yeah
1: <laughs> there's a there's
2: someone yelling aggressively yeah, He's getting yeah.
1: aggressive
2: yeah you missed the guy you know saying what's up to, to us in, in the window by okay. the way just recently right. but they always say what's up um no so like I, I just basically said, like, as far as strength training goes, right? to build strength, to build armor, right? you need to do that, and you need to build it from a general perspective that can enhance the specific skills that you already have attained over the years, especially at his level. right? He's, he's been boxing for, I think he said like 20 years or yeah, something so like that. So stupid. Yeah. So I was like-
0: 04 Olympian, yeah.
2: yeah bro, like you don't, Jesus, 04? 04. He's 38 years old, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? And then you, you talk about, okay, he's also boxing since he was a kid. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that we were giving them the tools, right? From a, from, a, from a physicality perspective. And then on top of that, what does that do from a mental perspective? It gives you confidence because now I'm more physically stronger.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: So now when I go on the mats, or I go in the cage, or I go in the ring, I know that I have the skills because I do that every day. And now I have the physical capabilities to withstand blows, like forces that have come upon me, and the force that I can produce out.
0: all right if you can give me a when you're behind the scenes you get invested you're a teacher You're a coach all that has there been a high profile victory that you worked on that you're like i know i know what was put in that camp i was a part of it and and you retain that pride for your student
2: is there one that stands out uh dustin poirier winning the the interim world title against max holloway
0: you were there that night ufc 236
1: were you in atlanta Atlanta. that
2: night no i wasn't i was at home because i think we had another another fighter fighting the weekend after, so I had to stay back. And I jumped up like I was there, and I think I woke up everybody in my household. Like, I lost my voice, everything, because I knew that this was something that was really something he wanted to do and wanted to achieve, and it was great. That was a tough fight, too, man. It was, man, and it was <laughs> it was entertaining, but, for, like, I never really got uncomfortable watching him fight. And that's weird, because, you know, as, as, a, as a coach, I'm always like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I know that they can do it, but you're not in there with them. This fight particularly, I was like, he's got it. He's like, he's got it. And you know, obviously other fights, bigger fights in, in that way, I was kind of like, damn, this is a tough one. But I, you know, I, I got all faith in my man. But at the end of the day, this one, I was like, he's got it for sure.
0: All right, Luke, when you look at him, uh, this, you know, we use that term a lot that you invented, UBL. Yeah. Upper bound limits. Looking at Phil DeRue in relation to us, we see, even though it's 10 years They year, look like different species. Some yeah. of the upper no, bound limits, no, 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 if we no. either, if I could get going on a 2013 VTOR plan, like, yeah. you know, all right. But here's the point. Vitor. When you look at his beard, though, that shout that's out to by the way. That's also what you could be if you took a little bit more attention. You dyed it, you grew it out, you quaffed it. How much maintenance has involved is involved in that? Because that? that's that fantastic.
2: Beard? On the beard? Um, I've always had a beard, man. I've always had it. I think, you know, you it's have. It's
0: gotten to, thicker over the years, though, yeah.
1: It,
2: I think. Well, I, I took, I understand I take care of it more. You know, you condition it. Right?
1: Kimbo always said, you take care of your beard, your beard takes care of you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yo,
0: I know what he was referring to, I do. Yeah. I mean, I've heard people have done that. He, he may that. have been yeah, a
2: bodyguard yeah. on porn sites. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. He's that guy. Yeah, no, nah, man. Shout out to Kimbo. Well, while man, we can be
0: impressed with Coach here. Hold I, on. I I do, I
2: I do have one more on the serious angle if I may. If I don't I, do serious. Okay, never mind. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> if
1: I may. If I may. I'm going to ask it this way. I'm not going to ask how much could strength and conditioning prevent injuries among MMA fighters? But what I will ask is, what role can it play? What role can it do? Because it seems like your guys, once they're in that program for a while, they just, well in the fights they're rough and tumble, but they seem to always be able to make it without too much issue.
2: I mean, it's reducing the risk of non-contact injuries. You know, you can't, obviously, you know, somebody, you know kicks a knee or something like that what can you, do? you can't do much but when it comes to non-contact injuries we want to negate that totally right especially in camp when things get rougher you know um intensities go up reducing of, of calorie intake you know all those things come into play we like to make sure that we get a full-on assessment in the beginning i want to see bone mineral density i want to see you know how how low are they in body fat percentage wow. at that particular time like usually around eight or nine weeks and that's when I'll go and take them to the lab and get a DEXA scan done because that's pretty much the gold standard. And I'll and I'll measure all that out and then we'll get dietary needs based upon that. If I had my if I had my full go, like if I had full control, that's what I would do. Right. And then from there, you know, it's figuring out what's their compensation patterns, where where are they deficient at, where are their asymmetries. And you'll find that, you know, if somebody's just too much on one side of the body, or isn't really rotating appropriately, or you know has compensation patterns inside of a joint and doesn't have the capacity to do things. We wanna gain more capacity, we wanna gain more control, we wanna build more base. And that's how you can reduce the risk of that non-contact injury. Dr. Bam Bam could fix
0: my liver in probably like three weeks, all right? I need him to fix my shoulder and also the way I look. Um, I need that. Good, Luke, man. you can't see a man this Tatted up without talking about it, and this, yeah, I and it. I don't know a ton about the, you know, the history of it like you do, but that's impressing me. You paid some money for
1: these, yeah, you know? yeah,
2: yeah, and I got more since we talked, man.
1: You got a, you got a guy you go to?
2: Yeah, he's actually in Pompano. I went to high school. Actually, I played little league football with him. Yeah, so he's gotten, he's done all my stuff, and we're still going. We're going all the way up. As you've seen, my my guy Jake Boswick, I gotta ca- try to catch up to him.
1: Yeah, I mean that's not a job you can. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Like if it. someone asked him, "What do you do for a living?" Oh, I fight bare knuckle. Right. Yeah. It works out, but you would never be like attorney.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> no, Accountant. Not at this point. Set up it's carnival over. rides on the weekends. Yeah. No, the he's, too,
1: he's, too, he's too big and strong for that. He, but he's very friendly too, by the way, I, I might add.
2: He's, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Super so, charismatic. So yeah.
1: you got into this whole bit where like you're coaching coaches. What, what does that mean?
2: Yeah. So the coaches that the trainers that work with fighters or work with athletes or just general pop clients that want to learn some of the methods that I've been able to put together, I coach them. So now I put together a mentorship program that I can coach any trainer from around the world. So we have over 5,000 coaches in the mentorship program um, from anywhere from like, you know, Italy to Australia to the U.S. to Canada. And the great thing there is that not only am I able to help them, but I'm helping them help all the other athletes that they work with. So now I can spread out my methods, I can spread out the service that I've been able to give to the people that work with me directly, and I can do that in a wider range.
1: Are these coaches like, specific to combat sports, or they tend to be whatever?
2: Yeah, anything, really. If you are if you love the methods, if you love the systems that I use, and, and the systems can be spread around any area. I still use condensed conjugate for my, for my general pop clients, because it is versatile. It's just a skeleton system. And then from there, you plug and paste, and I give them certain protocols and things of that nature in training ideologies to a degree. I'm not a big ideology guy. I'm not a big guy, like, I'm not a huge proponent of like living in one world. I I do like to take things from every other person that I feel is appropriate or, you know, different methods. Josh Fabia included? Definitely not, Uh, (laughs) definitely not. I was about to say, who is that? (laughs) That would've been better. (laughs) That Diego's old guy. Nah, like, there's there's certain things that just doesn't make sense, but, you know, and when it comes down to it, it's like fundamental movement patterns, understanding fatigue management, you know, understanding uh, communication, and then putting it all together in a systemized approach that can progress an athlete and also reduce the risk of non-contact injury. That's the that's, that's the main principle. That's the
0: strong
1: right there, bro. That's it. I'm mean, looking at this equipment. I'm so fucking jealous of your equipment, man.
2: Man, we was gonna train, man. What happened? I, know.
1: I, well, uh, I flew to the wrong airport. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happened. That's a that's a true thing. I, watch this. Ready for this, BC? Tell me if I say anything wrong. So the back extension there, the ghost machine, here's why that one's special, because you've got the back tray on it, which means with the bands on the bottom, which means not only can you do barbell raises up the bottom for your posterior chain, but you can now attach bands to it as well. The one I have at home does not have that capability. This one allows you to go Pete Rubish super heavy on the back end. Sammy, yes? That's
2: heavy yeah. Pete that Rubish heavy. That's yeah.
0: pretty nerd heavy right there.
1: Um, that, there's, your, there's your deadlift jack, I have well, the exact what do, we call, what
2: do we call band tension at an end range? Oh, I don't know, I don't do bands very much. So bands at an end range at gives end you range. accommodated resistance.
1: Accommodated resistance, that's it. Phil, can I ask oh, you a key one. questions? I wanna get on about... that seal row before we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you you I've, never I've never used the seal what row. What about whatever. the
2: reverse hypers?
0: I have a reverse hyper. Okay, good. Can I ask you key questions about gym culture, but I want you to be dead honest with me, okay? Sure. Lifting gloves, yay or nay? No way. Yes! No way. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I look like the president he of- shit! No Eat shit! Shit. Yeah, do you do, do you you wear with do the fingers out? I don't I don't use that. I haven't used them since high school. But, oh, please, good. You know, I, but I, if it's good enough for Ronnie Coleman, Phil, Phil listen, in, in GSP is good enough for me. Listen, all right? listen,
1: I'm 43, okay? It looks like I've been hit by a bus and they threw lard on me. That's what I look like. I look terrible, but there was once upon a time. I lived in the gym.
0: These fuckers don't believe anything I say. Alright, back to my line of
1: no, no, hold on, Phil.
2: True I respect I respect his knowledge. 100%. You go into uh, any It's very book heavy. You know.
0: you go, dude,
1: in the Marine Corps gym, this was definitely true. You walk into any gym filled with dudes like this,
0: you just running trains you put on the gloves. Just running trains. I've I've heard these <laughs> stories, all right. Just you know. get <laughs> up. damn.
1: I'm <took> <laughs> oh, sorry. A sorry about that. They're
0: gonna throw you out the fucking yeah,
1: window. Yeah,
2: yeah, they will. Yeah. No, but, I had a I had a I had a SWAT officer try to put these things on and i grabbed them like mid like pull down i was like get the fuck." condoms
0: for your hands all right yeah. so back, back to gym culture what about people that have me- ways and means they even have the hopes and dreams, yet they're still working out in their front yard. How like just homeless bullshit is that? You know. What as I mean? far as what
2: though? What are they trying to? Accomplish? They're doing
0: like He's, take, he's on... taking a shot at me, but he's wrong. You know, nah. instead of like working out in his basement, Luke goes out in the front
2: yard and watches. I did. I did for a long time. And just flaunts that. It's gonna sound like I'm fully with him, but I'm not You're mad not. at that. I'm not <laughs> no, mad come at
1: on. It. I'm not mad at that. No, I'm no, not no, mad I've, at that. I've mostly get it in
2: where you can, man. Like
1: this was during the pandemic when the gyms were open. They were closed. They were open. They were closed. This was, you know, I don't know what was in Florida, but certainly most of the country was. So I just started investing in my home gym and during covid it was like dude it wasn't unusual you know depending again florida didn't have the same kind of lockdowns but you know, it was a while in dc where you couldn't even leave your fucking house or whatever so we were just i was just ordering shit and having it set and then i had enough i was like i got a little set here you know yeah, that's low class but now my fun. shoulders all jacked up so i'm using kettlebells
2: <laughs> that's what you were telling me we, we yeah. got some kettlebell stuff that's that fun. we can do but i'll show you how And okay.
0: finally about gym culture how do you make sense of or understand that i can walk into most gyms fitness centers see almost no old guys in there but if i go in the men's restroom there is just balls hanging out it's like a party it's like balls bonanza you gotta go in the sauna
2: first because they're butt naked in the sauna primarily right then maybe the steam room Right. They're brushing teeth and shaving yeah. with, with just dude, old, yeah, the men, the old men. Will, yeah. Old yeah, men dude, will shit. literally put on socks
1: and shoes
0: before underwear.
2: <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> they don't do That's that at DeRue's strong. No, no, like no. I left the gym after that one. I was good. Yeah. I, I never went yeah. back when on that What's
1: one. What's the number one benefit? I guess the number one benefit of owning your own gym is what? Like you can just work out whenever the fuck you want. Yeah, you can. I mean, I use, this is my lab. You know, right. This I, isn't like to the public or
2: anything. No, like no. This is private. Um, but yeah, even I, when I started the gym, I just got sick. I started at a at a real competitive powerlifting gym when I was fighting too as well. So I never really did the Gold's Gym LA Fitness. I would go here and there, but I grew up in a powerlifting strongman environment as far they as- They call my. that a judgment full zone. Yeah, yeah. only yeah. judgment zone. Like you couldn't touch the radio unless you squatted over 400, 450 pounds and bench at least 300 pounds, right? You didn't touch the radio. And so with that, there was no gloves by the way either. <laughs> um (laughs) like couldn't do that either and and so for me i was like i wanted to get i wanted to keep that environment going and i said well if i have the means to do so i'll just create my own environment and make sure that the culture is what i want it to be and so that's what i do fair enough do
1: you feel like in all seriousness do you feel like okay, okay it's kind of funny right like when i look around i'm like who else is doing what phil does and, of course, you're pretty unique. But there are other people trying to do certain kinds of things. Like, he moved on, but for a while, Bo Sandoval was at, um, at UFC UFCPI. But funnily enough, where did he come from? Football, right? It, to what extent is that some kind of influence in how you think about your facility, how to train, everything?
2: We still have high school football guys that come in here. We actually, I have to have some NFL, 15 NFL guys coming in um, Wednesday, this Wednesday. But, yeah, it's, it, it's because of the fact that Football was our first understanding of how to do strength and conditioning as a, from a sport perspective, right? That was the first sport that actually really adopted strength and conditioning. And then, you know, other sports came along, hockey and, and, and even like basketball and baseball. They didn't come till later, but football was that sport. So you have a lot of guys that, one, it was one of those things where you wanted to get bigger, stronger, faster. So how do you get bigger, stronger, faster? Well, you do that in the weight room. Right? And you need to get bigger, stronger, faster for football because football is a very, you know, high impact sport, right? And so for that, I think that that's why a lot of those guys kind of migrate over to other sports and they have the understanding of it because they have a background in basic biomechanics and physiology and so on and so forth. All right, who's
1: been like, you know, you just test them, you see them work out, and you're just like, this guy's a fucking freak. The
2: one that just left. Boss- Jake Boswick? Jake Boswick has been with me for seven years. And... I would tell you right now, the kid puts in so much work and effort. And I have another one, there's two, and they go hand in hand. It's like, they kinda, they compete all the time. It's him and Tyler Ray, who works out of, uh, works out of Kill now, nah, I'm call it Kill Cliff. But these two guys, they're not the the biggest names, but they put in the most work, right? And then another guy that's outside of that, Timberland. Timberland. boy, I've seen his transformation. Man, I'm gonna you tell mean you. mean like
0: Timberland and Magoo? Yes, He yeah, Tim-
2: was from Virginia Beach, Timbaland.
1: Uh When, did, how, so, walk me through that you're going through your day and you get a phone call or however it happened
2: so yeah so it's funny because Jake actually did pad work with him so he's been doing pad work with with Timberland for like five six years and then one day Tim you know told Jake he's like man who's the trainer that you work with I want to work with him so Jake actually called me and goes Tim wants to work with you come come to the house so I was like cool went to the house I for the first year I saw that he had no movement in, in his hips, he had very little movement in his upper back. So we had him on the floor doing mobility work and just basic biomechanics for the f- entire year. And so that he bought into that system. And then from there, we started to grow into, okay, now he's standing up, now he's doing more dynamic movements. And he built a great base with David Alexander. The, one of the guys, I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's, a, he's another great strength and conditioning coach, worked with LeBron and D-Wade and, and all those guys down in Miami. Built a good base with him. And then for me, I just took it and just try to run with it as much as possible and started progressing, going further.
0: Now, I won't say names, cause you may have had to sign an NDA, but you got a celebrity clientele that's impressive, almost like, man, maybe that's the pivot. I mean, that's, that could be a fun, a fun life serious, for the rest serious, of your life.
1: Could you live off of just training Timbaland alone? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You, know, you know what, Phil, fuck you. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> well absolutely.
0: I, I want to give you the chance to answer this. Uh, what's that like? You know, it's one thing to train, Excellent, you know, Olympian, NFL, or mixed martial artist, mm-hmm. or bare knuckle fighter. What's it like training?
1: Athletically them? ordinary. Because yeah.
0: these these movie stars, they're they're yoked to shit. But you know, did they put in the work to get that? That's my question.
2: I mean, I know I know The Rock puts in crazy amount of work. I know Kevin Hart puts in a crazy amount of work. And this is, I'm just saying that I don't train them. Don't don't say that train them. But I know the guys that do, and I know you know them as as individuals. They're the hardest workers in the room wherever they go. Right. But Timmy is the same person he's the same way i put him with some of my elite fighters he trains with jake sometimes he trains with tyler sometimes i've
1: seen that yeah yeah. you've
2: seen it and he may not be able to do most of the the actual you know exercises or, or anything like that but he'll still put in the effort which is important and i've noticed with the most elite people they they're that that common theme of effort is solely there
1: Right. He may be athletically ordinary, but in no other way is he ordinary. What he's
0: trying to say is that Marky Mark does so much shit before you even think about waking up each morning. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not chicken and broccoli that got him those abs. Let's just be very, well, maybe it helps, but he probably, I'm sure, I'm, listen, all those guys in Hollywood, who's the guy who plays Thor? Like Hemsworth or whatever his first. Like I, my, my wife has a crush on that dude, and I was, she was like, he lifts so many weights, and I'm like, he does...
0: <laughs> Are you doing Gringo Poppy Bear right now? Is this what's going on? No, Sorry.
1: my wife's from South America, but I was like, I was like, yes, he does lift weights. He also lifts SARMs and uh, TRT, and it uh, out there. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not hating on. They, him. I'm every, just saying.
2: they do have anything at the and everything at the. Disposal.
1: I just try to explain to people there's a certain kind of realistic perspective you have to have. If you, sure. Even if you work your ass off, yeah, yeah. There's a level that you're going to level out at, and it doesn't look like Thor. Just yeah. You, you have out. a
2: genetic makeup at a genetic ceiling per se. You know that you have to hit and. That that, that's that's what it is, but you can always push it to the actual ceiling of where that is.
1: So so where where where's Phil DeRue headed, man? Man, since we talked the I'm first time, you've been like
2: a completely different person in
1: certain ways. You I know? appreciate.
2: It. I'm trying to do it all, man. Honestly, you know, I just want to put the people in the right place to do it. You know, I'm trying to build a a solid team with everybody that I have here. And then scale it, you know, not only not only for this gym, but for gyms to come. You know, I wanna do a licensing where I'm licensing out the methods to all gyms in the world that one maybe the mentores that I that I coach that have gyms, they can use those methods. And as we license that, then we can start to do more continuing education on that front. Put together a university or a course that is a CEU for any nationally accredited certification. That's gonna help my guys still stay relevant in their certifications. Then on top of that you know i want to i want to build something with tim we got something big with pushing peaks which is a program that we have out but it's really more so about optimizing human performance from a whole and i want to build that up into something spectacular maybe do conferences down the line and then also maybe a sports club so there's a lot there i, I can go on and just on don't sell with. out if they're like we want you to be the official gym of power slap be like so i'm gonna i had a couple of i'll just say this this is just a personal
1: that. thing for me i just want to tell you this on camera Listen, anyone who makes it from any walk of life, I have respect for, right? And I feel like you're not, you're not done, but I do feel like you've made something for yourself pretty pretty special. I especially appreciate out of the, the blue-collar guys who don't have shit handed to them. And you didn't just do it with hard work. You did it with constant adult learning, making good decisions, betting on yourself, investing in yourself. You've never been short on that, and I've kind of watched it from afar, and I've been like, yeah, I don't think... Your success is in any way accidental, bro, it's not. I
2: appreciate that, really. Coming from you guys, I, th- I thank you so much, man, because it really is a constant, constant, like, progression and, and, and grind to a, to a degree. Like, I don't stop, I, it doesn't stop. And and it's, I'm grateful and blessed to have the family that I have that understand that. You know, my wife is phenomenal. She knows that I'm up at 11, 12, 1 o'clock at night still studying, still putting together, you know, plans and programs and formulating new processes so that we can grow and do things that, I always saw myself doing, right? Traveling the world, helping people, um, and accomplishing many things to come, and then building something of that, right? Building quote-unquote a legacy, but really it's just what I can pass down to the people that follow me.
1: Where does your vision for yourself come from? And when I say vision, I don't mean like that thing. I mean thinking of yourself as someone who is capable of doing things, because honestly, man, like that's not necessarily inherent. It's certainly not intuitive. A lot of people grow up thinking, "Why would I even bother? I can't be anything." And you had every reason to not think that, at least for a certain part of your life. But yet, you never really seem to. You always seem to be like, "Oh, I this will always go well."
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting you ask me that because I thought about that last night, and I was like, it, literally last night, and I go, "I've never had doubt in myself. Like I've always been like strategic, where like, okay." Be smart, Like it's gonna take time. And getting older, I'm a lot more patient in my approach where I'm a little bit more strategy-based. For the most part, when I was younger, I was like, just go after it, get it done. And in your 20s, you can kind of do that. When you get to your 30s, and and, and we'll see in my 40s, and the great thing is I have people that are at that level in their 40s and 50s, like yourself, that I can go to see that, yeah, I did that, <laughs> that I could go to, ask for advice on like, what did you feel at this particular time in your life? What did you feel at this particular time? And I'll never forget, um, so Tim is now like a mentor to me too as well. Not only that, he's a business partner, but for me, I asked him, I go, you know, he goes, he actually said, I love your, and the reason why he stuck with me is because he loves my my grind, my effort, the, the, the stuff that I put in. He goes, man, he's like, just keep working. He's like, be strategic, be conscious of your thoughts, understand what you're doing, but know that you have to be patient. And his mentor told him, and his mentor is a big name. I'm not going to say the name, but he's a big name. Um, told him, you're not going to make your real money. Just be patient because you're not going to make your real money until you're 50. Because that's when everything comes together. Peak earning years. Yep. That's what they say. I mean, whatever that means. I just took it as just be patient, and it's going to come. And don't look at anybody else and try to dictate what you're doing or feel bad about what you're doing or where you're at because you look at somebody else at a higher level. Yeah, run your own race, motherfucker. Exactly. That was good. I like that. We should put that on shirts.
1: (laughs) So do you see a world where you might just, like, not train MMA fighters anymore?
2: Yeah, no, I definitely do. I'm at that point now where, like, I have my guys. I don't want to take on any new clients to that degree. Um, I have my personal training clients. I have my online clients, I have my fighters, but I'm not interested right now, unless it's something that really, it's like Dustin says, like, you got to get me out of bed, you know, in that, pers- in that particular way, I always will help somebody, but I'm going to give them to my coaches that I coach now. So now those young guys coming up, whether they be in the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, whatever, if they come to the gym, I'm going to say, go to you know, go to K, go to Jack. These are my young kids that are actually coming up in the game, so I want them to get the experience. I want them to get what I got. So that's where I'm at right now, that's where I'm headed.
1: Uh, well, Phil, I have, over the years, man, I will just tell you that, like, I have all, it's funny, right, I've been, I have always been, or not always, but every time there's a new wrinkle, I'm like, huh, look at Phil trying something new, doing this, like there's new little wrinkles every time. I have to learn to stop being, I guess I am, I'm not. I'm no longer surprised, but you do find ways to grow and reinvent and self, again, uh, better yourself in ways that is just so, um, not just unusual, but proof of concept. It all, mostly anyway, that seemed to work for you. And
2: I have to say this, because you, you gave me a spotlight when nobody did. You started me out, in this world. I always say that. I always, you know, have gratitude towards you and what you've done for me. So I thank you once again for putting me out there and letting me do what I, I do. I think nothing of it.
1: was funny. Do you, know, you remember what you asked me when I called you on the phone? Oh, no. You go, uh, why you, do you want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, we walked through it and in the end it came out just fine. But I remember you being like, why do you want to talk to
2: me? And I was yeah, like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So, I think yeah. at that point I was kind of like, what's going on here, you know? And so, and I'm still very selfless. So I'm like, why are you talking to me? You're you an MMA journalist to a degree, right? We're combat sport journalists now. You're- Entertainers, what? we've evolved to entertainers. 100%, like I, you, I, I prefer, you I, evolved, you've evolved tremendously. Yeah. And, and you are great in that hat. Thank, thank I'm you i to say I that.
1: prefer the term pornographer.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I've always watched your breakdowns and everything, and it, and you come at that, at that way, and like in that way, the same way I come at physical preparation. So Angry. that's where-
1: yeah? To a degree. Yeah, fair. I Less sad, perhaps. Less sad and depressed. Uh, well, Phil, thank you for bringing us in here, man. Thank you, man. Uh, I guess if folks want to get in touch with you, and I, I actually don't know who is the right person for Phil deru like who would I send your way uh, it seems
2: like you cast a pretty wide net sure yeah I mean well if you were to go to any of my social media accounts you can get me there deru strong at theu strong and then I have my accounts for the gym and an education space and then my website is DeRueStrong.com. my Twitter is at deru strong my if you want to find out more like videos and stuff, it's Phil DeRue on YouTube. I get all, all that stuff on there. But if you want to contact me directly, you can contact my assistant, Maureen Shea. She's a two-time world champion boxer, so don't hey. don't don't, uh, don't get slick out the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> she trained the million-dollar baby for the film. True, she, yeah. she looks the part, man. She looks uh, it was great
0: meeting her. Luckily, I didn't tell her my review of the film. It just goes off a cliff, dude. I mean, I know it won a lot of awards. No one prepared me at all for that. It
1: gets right? sad. Yeah, it gets yeah, sad it at, spoiler at the end. Luckily,
2: her, she yeah. did no writing on the film. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Right? But at Maureen Shea, or actually, it's, it's it's Maureen at DerushStrong.com. There you
0: go. All he does is
1: build champions. Build champions. Built himself. Built a business. Built champions. And uh, not imagine, done yet. imagine
0: this artist could take an unfinished work like this, like this dad bod, and give him about, give him about three to six I weeks. Need, I need to move you to know, Florida
1: and see what happens yeah. to my life. I honestly feel like I'd be be—I'd look completely different. No, absolutely. I, uh, would, I
0: would let you inject me. With in, the right? effort you put in, you.
1: absolutely, yeah, for sure. I, I, well, you know, Phil, I'm pretty pathetic these days, but I try. <laughs> I try.
0: Uh, I'd like to get a saggy nipple like most good champions these days. Smoke weed. I hear
1: that's what you got to <laughs> do. You got to <laughs> smoke <laughs> weed. Yeah, right. We All right, <laughs> there, there he goes. is. Phil DeRue. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Morning comment, Room Service Diaries.